Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. Your host is a course creator who currently generates over $1 million a year selling his online courses. And now he teaches you how to do the same. And just so you know, he is also the biggest Game of Thrones fan in the world. Hashtag Team Lannister, Mr. Jono Petrohelos. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. I am super excited because we've got an absolute rock star on the line this week, especially when it comes to podcasting and especially when it comes to podcasting for, for online courses. So a little bit about this person. He's a course developer. He's a college professor. He's an expert when it comes to everything to do with WordPress. He hosts numerous podcasts. My favorite one is How I Built It. I recommend everyone check that out. Uh, He's had over 2 million downloads for his podcast, and he's generated over $200,000, probably even more now. I think that's an an old stat uh, in the last three or four years. So without further ado, let me introduce the Star Wars-loving, drum-playing, cigar-smoking, one and only Mr. Joe Casabona. Joe, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. What a fantastic introduction. That was great. Thank you. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm happy you mentioned uh, Star Wars. I notice in, in the background, uh, I don't know how much of the fourth wall you break down, but I can see you in your background. And I do see a stormtrooper in the background there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> really? Isn't it? Uh, you know what? It's a virtual background. Is that what you see there? The, um, the, the virtual worker? Yeah, yeah, right above the coffee, right above the coffee maker. There's a little stormtrooper. Let me have a look. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, you must be a Star Wars fan. I I've been using this this virtual background for years. I've never. I just thought it was a um a coffee cup or something. But you're right. There you go. <laughs> so Joe, I like to start all these podcasts off with a quote or mantra that inspires you or fires you up. Have you got one for us? Yes, I do. And I will I will not use do or do not. There is that's, um, that's one of my favorites. Yes. Uh, I read a book called Masters of Doom when I was in high school. It was about the founders of ID Software who created the video game Doom. They revolutionized computer gaming. Uh, and at the end of the book, John Carmack has a quote uh, that is, if you want to go off and do something, you don't need millions of dollars of capital. Uh, you just need a cheap PC and enough Diet Coke in your refrigerator. Um, and he says, uh, we uh, slept on floors, we waded across rivers. And I love that because it, it really encapsulates the just do the work, do mm. the work and ship the work and you can do great things. It doesn't need to be perfect. You don't need all this money. You don't need just if you have a vision, uh, put the time you need to put into that vision. Love that. I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan myself. I'm not sure. Are you, are you familiar with Tony Robbins? Yes. Uh, the, the actor. Oh no. The, uh, uh, the, 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 the motivational the, speaker, yes, the motivational yeah. speaker. Yes. Yeah. 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 So his quote is it's never a lack of uh, resources. It's always a lack of resourcefulness. And I feel in today's world, like not even a PC, a mobile phone, and you can do, mm-hmm. you know, a mobile phone is probably better than what a, a PC was, you know, four or yeah. five years ago. Better camera, better microphone, you know, and I, I love that part of it. But I also love the doing the work part of it because I think it's very easy to be a bit complacent in today's world, you know, and it's like, ah, I want everything instantly. And if this doesn't work, it's someone else's fault, you know, so I think both of them marry up 
where it's like, hey, let me get resourceful. All I need is a phone or a, you know, a cheap PC, um, but I'm going to have to do the work and I'm going to have to make some sacrifices. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't want to get on too much of a tangent, but um, yeah, I love, love that quote there. Uh, Joe, what I'd like to talk about today is your journey. So I know you've got quite a few specialties um, on there. If we can focus today on podcasting and more your story, because we've had a few people on before that's like, here's the best mic and here's why you got a podcast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's all well and good, I guess, you know, um, that side of it. But I'd love to hear a story like 200, is it more than $200,000 now, I'm guessing? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it is a I'm full full time self employed and it's a major portion of my income. Yeah, awesome. So I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that are like, all right, I want to know how this guy did it. You know, teach us, teach us how he did it. Um, off the bat, Joe does have a course that covers this sort of stuff as well. If you're interested, I'll put the link down in the show notes and and check it out. But Joe, I'm I'm going to hand it over to you. Start where you want to start, you know, and let us know for the next 20, 25 minutes to tell us how you went from zero to $200,000 in, in a matter of years. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I will start here so that people kind of understand what I'm like. Uh, I am, um, I have my master's in software engineering, so I'm a big programming computer nerd and I always have been, but I'm also very extroverted. Um, and so I got into drama club in like second grade, which I was like eight or nine, maybe. Um, and I did plays uh, all like from then all through high school. And I loved the I loved the performance aspect of it. I loved being on stage. I loved telling stories. Um, and in college and then after college, you know, I didn't I didn't continue to do that in college it's a lot more competitive um i went to a catholic grammar school where i was basically the only boy in drama club so i basically got whatever roles i wanted um (laughs) and in high school i mean i was i was good don't get me wrong i i was able to perform in, in high school too but um you know there were like theater majors in in college people who were dedicating their lives to it and I, I never had any formal training. I just liked doing it and, and having fun. And so um, in college, I found teaching and teaching allowed me to, to kind of do that kind of performance talk in front of people thing. Uh, and then I got married and moved away from uh, the school where I taught. Um, and somewhere in between there, I, I realized I, I loved I loved that. I missed the drama club stuff and I found podcasting. Podcasting allowed me to do that. And so uh, the first pod, I'm also, extre- I should also say I'm also extremely curious. Um, I ask a lot of questions about a lot of things, uh, which is probably what makes me a pretty good interviewer. Mm. Um, and so the performance part and the curiosity came together for me to form my first podcast with a few friends uh, called the TIL podcast. TIL stands for today. I learned if, if, anybody doesn't know that um and we were having a bar a bar room conversation and i thought man we should just like put a mic in front of us and, re- and record this and, and put it out as a podcast um that the the roundtable style podcast does not work very well if you don't have a good moderator and mm-hmm. i am an awful moderator <laughs> i go off on a lot of tangents i let people talk too long There was over talking. I never threw the mic to anybody. I was just like, so like Bitcoin, what's up with that? And then I just like let, we just all talked. So uh, 
but that podcast, very low stakes, just fun with me and my friends, um, taught me everything about podcasting. And so that was around 2012, maybe 2013. Fast forward a couple of years to 2016. Uh, my wife and I got married. We honeymooned in Italy, uh, which is where my family is from. Uh, I'm a second generation Italian here in, in America. Um, and I noticed that there were like a lot of .it domains. And so I just bought one. Uh, I was like, all right, cool. Um, and uh, I bought how I built .it. I could not believe that it was still like that that was available. And Just to confirm, it. it for Italy, right? Is that what the, the it dot for IT? Italy? Okay, yes. there we go. Yeah, yeah, it for Italy. And so, um, to get an it domain, dot it domain, uh, you either need to be an Italian-based business or an Italian citizen. I am neither of those yet. Um, <laughs> I qual- I can become an Italian citizen because my grandfather lived in Italy or was born in Italy. Um, but GoDaddy has this great service where they're like a broker, essentially. So you buy the domain and then for an extra 20 bucks a year, they're like the registered agent for the domain. Uh, so that's how I did it. Um, but I didn't really have an idea. And then, um, you know, fast forward a little bit. Um, I was having conversations with a, a lot of my friends because I was still full-time employed. But again, I moved away from my teaching job. Uh, I, was, I was working full-time at an, a WordPress agency. and I wanted to keep teaching, so I thought I would launch online courses. And so I was having conversations with a bunch of people I knew who were selling online courses or, or running digital businesses, asking that, hey, how did you how did you put this together? What should I do? Any advice? Uh, how did you build that? And I thought, well, I've got the domain. <laughs> I've got uh, an idea now. And uh, it was, I guess, in August of, uh, I think I released the trailer in July 2016. Um, and then the first episode came out a few weeks after that. Um, and I should say that this predates a very similarly named NPR podcast. And, uh, I was at first upset about it. And then I was like, well, they just, they just confirmed my idea, right? Like they probably did a bunch of market research. Uh, and so like the name is good and the, the concept of talking to business owners about how they built their business was good. Um, and so I was still full-time employed at that point. And then about a year later, well, a little less than a year later, nine months later, um, my daughter was born. Um, and so uh, the agency life conflicted with the kind of uh, family life I wanted to have agency life can be very demanding. I knew this, but my, the, my boss told me this before he hired me. Um, and so I was there for three years and my daughter was born and things were getting pretty demanding. And, and I thought I'm doing pretty well with my side hustle, doing some client work, selling courses. The podcast was just starting to make money. I had a really strong network, um, of people. Uh, and so they were supporting the show at least to cover the costs. And so in May of 2017, I thought, I spoke to my wife. Uh, she, she insisted that I do it. She was super supportive uh, because she's like, you know, this, this job, I can tell you're not happy. 
Um, and, and when I gave my notice, you know, they're like, what can we do to make you stay? And I was like, honestly, like, I'm not gonna, I will be very sad if I miss my daughter's first steps because I was working late for the company. Right. Um, and so it was very amicable. I still talk to a lot of people in the company today, but, uh, in June, 2017, I went out all on my own. I had a podcast that was about 10 months old, um, depending on when you want to count it. And I thought I'll just like sell courses and stuff. I, I was not, I had, I freelanced in high school, all throughout high school, all throughout college. I got my first client when I was 14 and, but I had no real idea how to run a business. Mm. I was just making money with pretty low stakes. Yeah. Uh, and now I had actual stakes at a family and a mortgage and stuff. Um, Let's, and so I learned pretty quickly. To, let's go back just a step there, Joe. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. When, when you quit that that job, were you making any money from the podcast at that stage? Were you selling any online courses at that stage? Or was it more just, ah, oh, this person needs some help with the website. Let me do an, an odd job here. Let's take a quick break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Yeah, most of most of my money was coming from uh, from website stuff. I was selling some courses, uh, and I did have sponsorship money uh, coming in at that point, and I was selling it like real cheap. Um, well, real cheap for probably the number of downloads I was getting, because I just wanted to cover the cost basically. And then when I went out on my own, I was like, I got to figure something out. Um, I was making good money when I had a salary, right? Mm. I wasn't really running a business. I was just making extra money. Yep. And now I'm running a business. And I was like, I got to cover, I got to cover the amount of money I was making. And we had runway in savings. Yep. Um, but I picked up a bunch of jobs. Again, my network was really strong. If, if, if you take mm. away anything from this conversation, uh, it's have a strong network because, mm. Uh, That's how I got sponsors in the beginning. That's how I got work in the beginning. And so I think it was probably like if I left the the agency in June, by September, it was pretty clear that my podcast was an extremely good avenue Mm. for me to make money. Um, Just from downloads, you could tell that? You're like, I'm getting a heap of downloads. Yeah, downloads and interest in sponsorship. Mm. Um, And so I like put together some formal packages. Uh, I gave good discounts. If you got a full season, which was about 22 episodes, I usually do like 22 to 24 episodes, take a couple weeks break and then do another set. Um, And I reached out to my network. And at first I was only doing maximum two only pre-roll because I didn't want to break up the conversation. And then I thought like, I'm kind of leaving money on the table. I could probably do a third and I could probably sell mid-roll. And it was at that point where I like solidified my packages. I, I gave some tiered options uh, for 
you know, mid-roll is a little bit more expensive and you get a little bit more. Um, and when I kind of formalized that, I was getting good leads and I was, I was signing people um, for long-term, 11 episodes, 20 episodes. Just for the listeners, uh, Joe, when you say pre-roll and mid-roll, does that mean like sponsorship before the 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 you start talking and the mid one is a bit of a break and then hey here's a word from our sponsors is that what that means yeah that's exactly right so pre-roll should ideally be the very first thing the listener hears right it'll be 30 or 60 seconds right at the top of the show that's what traditionally pre-roll is i always had like a minute or so of myself and my guest talking just to again hook the listener and let them know at least what the show is about before I, I hit them with a sponsor ad. Um, Mid-roll, I think formally by like the International Business Advertising Association or something like that, um, should be after the first five minutes and before the last five minutes. Okay. That's what a mid-roll technically is. Yep. And, um, but yeah, generally it's it'll be somewhere in the middle. Some podcasts will do all of their mid-roll ads right in a row. I tend to break mine up more like commercial breaks in a sitcom. So mm. uh, it'll be like the first 10 minutes, then you'll hear the first sponsor, and then maybe seven minutes will go by. I tell my editor, like, find a good break in the conversation. Because uh, generally, I don't do reads during the interview because my interviews are done sometimes two months in advance. Maybe I don't have those spots sold yet. Mm. Maybe we don't have the copy nailed down yet. So... Uh, I'll record the, the plus I generally, we will reuse the same read for several weeks in a row. Um, so, but that's what a mid roll is. Yeah. Gotcha. C couple questions there, Joe. And um, you don't have to answer these exactly right, but what sort of, um, what sort of pricing are you charging there or, or what do people pay? What's a, an indication for the listeners? If they can get a popular podcast or maybe they've already got one, you know, what sort of prices is is a ballpark number there yeah this is a really great question because it's going to depend my prices are on my website um i, I make them super clear right off the bat because like it drives me crazy where it's like if i see like contact us for pricing i'm like this is going to be more than i want to pay because like someone's <laughs> going to have to talk to me on the phone and like really sell me on the benefits <laughs> and make me want it before i know the price yeah um so i charge gosh i don't want to uh, it's like two ninety nine for pre roll episode and like three twenty nine for a mid roll episode. Gotcha. Small difference. Generally, if you have a pre roll episode, people will just know to skip like the first two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> whereas mid roll usually like it's not like you're getting them by surprise, but they're into the interview and maybe they're doing something else and they're not going to like find their phone to skip or whatever. Mm. Uh, so they'll listen to it. They'll, they'll they're more likely to listen to that. Um, as for pricing, there is, um, the, the formal way to figure out pricing is like CP it's called CPM cost per milli or cost per thousand downloads. Um, and I forget the exact number that's assigned to like dollars per thousand downloads. Um, and this is generally in the first 30 days. Um, my, I'm confident that my pricing is much higher than that. Okay. Um, and that's because I did, like, I did one with, um, ExpressVPN where they had a, a CPM 
um and like they required like a like they required that number of downloads or you had to do like a make good episode they're a well-oiled machine over there as far as podcast sponsorship goes um most with with most sponsors you don't necessarily need to guarantee a number of downloads but um so that's that's the traditional your npr your wondry that's how you're pricing ads gotcha. i do that- something was that? Just, uh, just so we can get a, a scale on that. So say yours is about 300 per episode, did you say? Uh, yeah, so so my mid-rolls are, yeah, they're, they're 329 per episode. If you get like four or more, I'm giving you some discount gotcha. because that's less work for me to have to do. Yeah. Um, and, and how many and downloads? Like a, yeah. How many downloads would you get in a, in a month for? Just so we I can get around and be like, all right, if you got a thousand downloads, is it a hundred bucks? You know, just so we can get those figures as a ballpark. Yeah. In, in a month, I'll usually get like five to 7,000 downloads per episode. Gotcha. Um, so would, and, you, uh, would you say a hundred bucks per thousand downloads is about ballpark? That is, that is more, I think it's like closer to like 25 or 50. Okay. Gotcha. Is what it's actually supposed to be. Okay. Um, now I'm a smaller podcast, right? In the, I mean, like if you look at like, John total podcast number of downloads i'm actually in like the top five percent but oh shit really yeah but like that like slides very quickly right yeah, yeah because yeah. most podcasts get a couple hundred downloads per episode yeah and then the big big podcast gets like millions and millions of downloads per yeah, episode yeah, so yeah. Gotcha. i'm like in this middle ground where just like it's probably grit that i show up every week i put effort into the podcast um and I, and again, I have an audience and, and people are willing to listen to good content. Um, so I do what's called cost per acquisition, um, which is just a fancy way of saying I make up my own pricing. Um, <laughs> and I do, I don't just do number of downloads when I figure out my pricing. I say, okay, I've got, we'll say five, we'll be conservative and we'll say four to 5,000 downloads per episode. I also have... Uh, 4,600 Twitter followers. So I'm going to tweet, mm. I'm going to tweet about you. Gotcha. I've got 1,200 people on my mailing list. And when those people get a notification of a new episode sponsored by, and then your link. Gotcha. So that's 1,200 people. Uh, if you purchase six or more mid-roll spots, I will do a five to seven minute video about you or your product on my YouTube channel. That's another 1,700. Well, that's 1,700 subscribers. Who knows how many views? Mm. Um, and so I really work the total reach number. Gotcha. There. Smart. Um, again, like bigger podcasts don't need to do that. They're just like, yeah, well, you know, I'm, this is Fresh Air with Terry Gross. Uh, most of America listens to this podcast at some point. So just pay us a, a pile of money <laughs> and enough people will hear you that you'll get a return on your investment. Gotcha. Awesome. Okay, cool. No, that makes sense. Continue on with with that story there, Joe. Yes. So um, I started to realize that podcast sponsorship, uh, podcasting in general was going to be a good way for me to make money. I also knew that podcast sponsorship is not the only way to make money in Mm. podcasting. So I set some goals for myself. I thought I'm going to launch a membership. Um, and when I hit like a hundred thousand downloads, I think I launched it on Patreon and 
let me tell you, a hundred thousand lifetime downloads is not a good. That doesn't. It, that's not. That doesn't mean that you have a big enough audience to launch a, launch a Patreon. Maybe you do. Maybe you have a hundred dedicated people who are willing to throw you five bucks a month, and that's great. Mm. I didn't. Uh, and and I also didn't have a clear plan. I talk about this on my new members feed, my failed Patreon experiment, where I didn't really know what I was doing. I just kind of copied what other people were doing. And then I overpromised and underdelivered because I didn't want to do all this extra stuff for like three bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and with my relaunch, which was earlier this year, um, uh, earlier in 2021, uh, I flipped the script and I thought I'm going to do um, things that are low effort for me and mm-hmm. high value for my members. So like love that an extra 10 minutes at the end of the episode with a guest, mm. no effort for me. I'm mm. already talking to this person and I don't even have to edit it extra mm. ad free. The episode is already ad free. I just tell my, my editor, clean it up. Don't put the ads in, ship it, then put the ads in and ship it. Um, things like that. So, but the first time it totally failed though. I think I was making like 12 bucks a month. Thank you to the people who did do the Patreon pledge. I appreciate your support. Um, but it was untenable. Uh, affiliate links was another way I was making money through podcasting. I would talk, uh, my gift guides were big. I, w- I do an annual gift guide on my blog and now it's a podcast episode where I talk through some of the things. Um, and then I, I, I started doing kind of more service-based stuff. Uh, so those are kind of, I think I hit all four ways that you can make money podcasting, right? It's sponsorship, affiliate links, um, membership or subscription, and then uh, promote your own services, products and services. And so for me, those products and services were, um, I'm a web developer. I know how to make websites. I'm a course creator. I know how to make courses. And I am a successful podcaster. And there is where I decided, okay, I'm going to niche down with the podcasting. So this is, again, over the span of however many years it is now, four or five years. But um, in 2019, I launched my, the, or 2018, I launched the first version of my podcast liftoff course, which was just how to make a podcast website. I figured other people were teaching how to make a podcast. I can, I can cover this really well. And then the, the, all the feedback I got from my students were, were, yeah, the website is great, but like, how do I launch a podcast? And I'm like, great. So. Uh, I added that and then I added the done for you service. So between, um, which is, I am essentially like uh, people hire me to produce their podcasts. I am either the host or I sit silently during the interview and I, I do everything behind the scenes. So between those things, that, that number inclusive is how I determined how much money I've made podcasting, but the lion's share of that is sponsorship because that's been going on the longest and um, honestly takes the least amount of effort for me. Like that's sponsorships are ideal because I book someone for 11 episodes and it's kind of an autopilot after I set it up. Gotcha. Question, Joe, say someone's listening to this and actually I'll go the other way. Do sponsors approach you or do you approach sponsors or a bit of both? It is, uh, I'll, I'll say a, bit of both but it's mostly outreach on my part gotcha. um so i have a few automations set up 
where um, I will give like a list of potential companies to my VA. She will find the email addresses. I put the email, the names and email addresses into a spreadsheet. Most of the email is, is put together for me. I have like a personalization cell. It's like, I want, I, you know, my audience is this, I have used this product, whatever it is to just, so it's not just like a canned email. Mm. Um, and then I, I fill out 10 or 20 rows at a time. I click ready to send on all of them and they all go out. Uh, thanks to Zapier watching like this cell in Google sheets. Um, and that kind of serves as like a CRM for me because yeah. I at least know who I reached out to. Um, I need to be better about the CRM, but the CRM, heavy quotes. Um, some people will reach out though. They'll fill out my sponsorship form. Um, I, like Marriott Hotel reached out to me and I was like, I oh, think shit. you probably, I think you want the NPR podcast. <laughs> <And they're> like, <laughs> we do. And I honestly don't know how I can make it my forms clearer. Cause like this was happening a lot. Mm. People would just Google how I built it or how I built this. Uh, and NPR doesn't the, like guest guest requests. Like NPR doesn't do that. Mm. Um, I do. If you like, I have like, you want to be a guest, you fill out this form. So a lot of people were like, I want to be on your show. And I'm like, why? And they're like, I really liked your interview with Michael Dell. And I'm like, wrong show. <laughs> um, and so like, I've tried to make it really clear where I put the artwork there. I put my picture there reach out to host Joe Casabona. <laughs> so that has been happening a lot less, but it's still just like people find a form and then they fill it out. Um, but that was like a, a weird tangent, but <laughs> most of the people who are reaching out to me know who I am. Gotcha. Um, I felt, I felt the need to say it explicitly when we started negotiation and then enough people were like, yeah, we know, like, we know you're not Guy Raz. Um, <laughs> but I was like, okay, I probably don't need to qualify this anymore. Um, gotcha. At the very least, they look at my pricing. And they're like, "This is probably not NPR price." Um, <laughs> so Make it's it's a good mix, but it's mostly it's mostly outreach, a lot of it to my network, a good bit of it cold outreach, which is the worst part. Agree. Now, I just want to take a minute and let everyone know, if you're a course creator, you've already got a course and it's not quite selling, uh, or if you're still in the process of putting your course together, at the course creator community, we actually have a VIP group coaching program. It's the best program of its kind and the most affordable as well. So if you'd like some extra help and guidance in either putting your course together or selling your online course, I recommend joining the course creator community VIP program. I'll put the links down in the show notes. Question here, Joe. Someone's listening to this. They're like, all right, you know, how many, and this this is probably going to be, it depends as well, but how many downloads would someone need before they're like, all right, right, you know, now I want to go out and get sponsorship. Is there a number there or is it too variable? Let's take a quick break. If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. 
zero downloads. Okay. I know this is like the big, this could be the audiogram, I guess, if you want to do that. But um, <laughs> honestly, here's the thing uh, with your first sponsor. Charge them 25 bucks or 50 bucks mm. and include a mention on the show and a forever link on the show notes page. 50 bucks for a forever link on the show notes page is a no brainer to most yeah. people just for SEO purposes, even right. That's exactly right. And I've had people who are like, yeah, I'm really just paying for the backlink. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, sure. I'll make sure no follows not turned on, whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did you say not turned um, on or turned on? I'll, I'll make sure it's not turned on. <laughs> oh, yeah, Okay. <laughs> I'll make sure that no follow is disabled. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so like 25, 50 bucks is a no brainer. So mm. if again, that network, right? My first sponsor was somebody in my network. Mm. I reached out to them and I was like, hey, my guest, um, her name is Rebecca Gill. Uh, I was like, she talked about your product a lot. You want to sponsor the episode for 99 bucks? And he's like, yeah, sure. Like it was like yeah, super wow. easy. So yeah. Um, I, my, my recommendation is reach out to your network and it doesn't have to be like, you know, if, if you're still growing your professional network, maybe you have a friend who has an Etsy shop again, mm. 25, 50 bucks. If the Etsy shop aligns it all with your audience mm. is a no brainer, reach out to a product you like and be like, Hey, I'm starting this podcast. I'm probably going to talk about you a lot. Would you, you know, would you sponsor the first few episodes of the show just to cover the cost of the show or whatever? Um, so I, you know, I think at that part, at that point, you don't need any downloads. You just need somebody who's kind of willing to trade a backlink and a mention and like kind of trust in what you're doing. Right. Um, now, if you're, if you're going to get like serious about the operation, you know, I would say, um, again, it really depends on your target audience, right? Like if you, I was on a podcast and they said, you know, how niche can you go? They talked about like underwater basket weavers. Wow. I guess that's like a funny, a funny, like super niche, like non-existent thing. But okay. Yeah. I was going to say, um, yeah. Like again, if your audience is millions and millions of people, potential audience, right? If you're like Joe Rogan, mm. then yeah, you're going to want to get like hundreds of thousands of downloads to utilize mm. the, 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 uh, the, the number of the target audience you're trying to reach. But like, if you're talking to a, a some total audience of a thousand people, you are never going to get more than a thousand downloads per episode. Mm. You just never will. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think you look at what are my targets? What are my goals for the podcast? Um, what, what companies fit within the niche that are willing to reach some number of people? And then what is, what is the return on their investment? Are they just looking for um support of of niche industries right because like in the wordpress space that's a pretty common thing people mm -hmm. companies want to show that they're supporting people in the community mm -hmm. um do they want like long-term brand awareness which is generally what i try to explain to my my sponsors i'm like look you might not get you know if you only especially if they only do one episode usually have mm -hmm. a, a three episode minimum um I'm like, you know, you might not get any buys in the first six months, but um, I don't know who Mac Weldon is a sponsor of a lot of podcasts for a while. 
now they have TV commercials. But like the first time I heard a Mac Weldon commercial or a MeUndies commercial on a podcast, uh, I didn't stop what I was doing and buy mm-hmm. underwear. Yeah. But when I needed underwear, I remembered MeUndies or I remembered Mac Weldon. So um, it's it's that sort of uh, like grassroots advertising, I think. But it's also a little bit better than the TV because people listening to a podcast really trust the the host mm. and so it's it's more like a personal recommendation i guess i'm off the path here well getting back on the path i'll say <laughs> yes it depends if you think you're at a point where um you're happy with the number of downloads uh and again it doesn't have to be millions it can be dozens or hundreds if you're seeing good growth in your podcast we'll say week over week or month over month um put together a couple of price points where again it's not just the number of downloads it's socials are you on tiktok right how many people are on tick mention them on tiktok or whatever um i'm not on tiktok so i from what i understand people <laughs> I, was, I was gonna, ask, food, I was gonna ask to see your favorite yeah. dance then uh joe when you mentioned yeah. tiktok no i know there's the one right now where they do the question thing with it's like a hand jive or whatever but i don't know uh, i know most of the tiktok i see is people desecrating food um and as an italian i take offense to that Uh, so um but you know use your socials use your total reach and again if if the first price is 25 50 even 99 bucks like that's a Mm no-brainer for a lot of businesses to just have a link in in their logo or something on someone's site yes no love that Awesome. All right. Well, Joe, I could listen to you talk about this all day. For everyone listening, if you're inspired by this, go and check out Joe's course. I'll put the link down in the the show notes. There's just a couple of questions I like to always finish up with, Joe. This is obviously a podcast for course creators. Now, I think I know the answer you're going to say, but I ask every course creator, hey, what platform do you host your course on or what platform do you recommend uh, people use? What's your platform of choice, Joe? Uh, I use WordPress with LearnDash as the plugin, the LMS plugin. Gotcha. And am I right in saying anyone that uses WordPress, LearnDash is like the number one plugin for it, for courses? Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. There's two, well, there's like probably three big ones, LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and Sensei, which is a WooCommerce add-on. Um, WooCommerce is like an e-commerce add-on, a plugin for for wordpress um i like learn dash because it is uh the price is right it's actually ridiculously cheap um mm. and they've taken an add-on approach where like you can pay for extra add-ons or you can add extra functionality to it but out of the box it's like courses with lessons and quizzes and certificates and that's it it's not like the kitchen sink so um if you're not technical at all I'd probably recommend like teachable mm. um, or just like uploading the videos to Vimeo. You can sell courses like that way, but that's only if you want to, I, I probably don't recommend that actually. Gotcha. Uh, if, if you don't want to run your own platform, teachable is probably what I would recommend. Yes. I, um, I use that for one of my businesses because I'm, I'm not a tech guy at all. Um, but I do have, do you, so lifter LMS, um, I've got the founder on this show next week. Do you know him? Chris, oh, Chris Badgett? Chris Badgett. Yeah, yeah, he is awesome. Okay. Um, yeah, he is like so tall. Uh, he oh, is very really? tall. Yeah, like if when we stand next to each other, it's like it's like Chewbacca standing next to R2-D2. Um, 
and uh but he's like so smart um and uh i love the way that he approaches like teaching and learning methods and um he just has he's he's one of those guys who doesn't talk a lot to sound smart but like when he opens his mouth like it's good stuff so yeah you got any be... uh, you, you got any inside in, in, inside question i can ask him where he's like oh man this guy this guy did his homework mm. on me yeah uh let's see ask him about just in time learning we had a really good conversation about that uh when i was on his show um but yeah we've hung out multiple times because uh we've gone to like the same conferences and, and stuff like that so he's he's a really cool dude Awesome. Awesome. All right. Final question, Joe. Um, you're obviously a mentor for plenty of people out there who want to grow their podcast, want to get better at WordPress um, in the course creator space as well. I'm curious to hear who your biggest mentors have been. And if you can answer this in three different ways, a mentor that you've paid money to, you've done their course or their coaching program, a mentor that you haven't paid money to, but you follow them on social media or listen to their podcast, uh, and then a book that you recommend every course creator should read. Ooh, this is good. Uh, let's see. So let's start with the mentor I haven't paid money to because uh, he was my first mentor, essentially. Um, Joe Rizzi, he owned the deli that I worked at. Uh, I, again, I don't know if I said this earlier, but I'm originally from New York. So I'm a New York Italian. I'm required by law to work at a deli. Uh, and so <laughs> I was going to say, it sounded yeah. pretty stereotypy as you were going through it. It is extremely like I've worked in construction. The only job I haven't had that stereotype is like waste management, but everything <laughs> else, you know, I like worked in, I swept hair in a barbershop, whatever. Um, but Mr. Rizzi uh, owned the deli that I worked at. And he, uh, so he was around when I, really got serious about freelancing in high school. Um, I got my first client and um, I started to get more. And he, every Saturday, uh, it would be me, my friend Amy and Mr. Rizzi, and we were cleaning up the place for the week. And he, it was like school was in session. He would, you know, today we're going to talk about pricing. Today we're going to talk about networking. Um, and it's the best, it's the best school I ever went to like, cause he had years of experience and um, like, so I'll, I'm forever in debt to Mr. Rizzi. I dedicated one of my books to him. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So uh, I would say Mr. Rizzi is, uh, is the one I haven't paid money to the one I have paid money to uh, Chris Lemma. He runs this fantastic conference called Cabo press. Um, and I'm going to skip the grind event. And he is someone who knows a lot about a lot. Um, and he's a good friend of mine. We met at a conference and we bonded over cigars. Um, but his, his Cabo Press event, which is where I met Chris Badger, actually, um, is where in, a, in pools in Mexico, but we're talking business. And so like there are these sessions about business uh, and then half of the afternoon is like for networking. And at those events, he tries to meet with all of the attendees one-on-one. -on -one. And when I was launching my podcast course, like he sat me down and he was like, look, you got to take with WordPress out of the name of your course. He's like, nobody says that they're going to teach you how to build a shed with black and Decker tools. Like people <laughs> don't care about the tool. They care about That's the true. end product. Right. Um, so like that was one. And then like he talked to me about done for you podcasting and 
Um, I'm actually talking to him tomorrow. Uh, so he's he's the person I paid money to. And then book, book that I would recommend to everybody. I just had a couple here because we were just talking about this. Um, I think the most impactful one for me, as in most impactful as in it's something that I immediately put into practice and still do today is Profit First oh, by Mike it. Michalowicz. Yeah. Um, really good. Uh, just good, tangible advice to make sure that you're making money from your business. Um, and then if I can get like a, a, a bonus, a couple bonus. <laughs> I just finished Please Soundtrack <laughs> by, by uh, Soundtracks by John Acuff or John Acuff, um, which is all about like quieting the negative thoughts in your head and amplifying the good thoughts um and he says that the the negative thoughts are broken soundtracks those are things that you tell yourself but they're not real um and you want to replace them and so like when you asked me about my mantra i looked at my soundtracks board that's off screen here uh to see and we slept on floors we waited across rivers it's like nice and big on that board um and then marketing made simple by don miller just solid advice for like how to build a website and put together your messaging in a very short book and i'm a programmer i take a very field of dreams approach to a lot of things like if i build it they will come that's not even remotely true so <laughs> i need help with the marketing stuff awesome uh, yeah i'm a huge fan of profit first myself that was game changing for me because before that i think i had one account you know money came in money came out it was my personal account it was my business account it was my tax account um didn't know you know payment comes out on the first and then the seventh and then the ninth and i got no idea what's going on as soon as i read that it just simplified so much so i love that yep, um absolutely joe that's pretty much all i wanted to get through today is there anything i should have asked you but forgot to or anything you want to finish us off with uh i would i would say these two things are the things i hear most when people think about starting a podcast uh, I have to have sponsors to make money. That's not true. As a matter of fact, you, dear course creator, are in a very good position because mm. in order for people to buy your course, I'm sure it's been mentioned on this show, people need to know, like, and trust you. And a podcast is a surefire way to get people to know, like, and trust you. So you can start a podcast about your course, show people you know what you're talking about, use this, remix this course content. Mm. Um, and that's the other secret, right? Is, is, uh, people are like, well, what am I going to give away for free versus what am I going to sell through the course? The course organizes things in a clear way where you mm. get the student from zero to win as Troy yep. Dean says. Um, the podcast is maybe just a hodgepodge of, it doesn't have to be in the same order as the course. You can include things from the cutting room floor. You can include things that you learned after you recorded the course or things that didn't make it into the course. Uh, you could talk about the same stuff. Um, people are going to buy the course because they want access to you and they want, they want access to how you've organized the learner's journey. Um, so you don't need sponsors. If you're a course creator, use your podcast to establish authority and sell your course. Um, and then a lot of people don't want to start podcasts because there's already a podcast about that. Nobody's saying it the way you would say it. You're, you have a unique voice um, and your podcast will be as unique as you are. 
So don't worry if somebody else has a podcast about talking to business owners or like food trucks or whatever, underwater basket weaving. Start your podcast. Beautiful. Thank you for your time, Joe. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is great. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Course Creator Community Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we'll catch you in the next episode.